uh, I don't know if there's people trying to get on via Facebook, whatever, but no, it's just annoying, silly Facebook notifications. All right, so today, why don't we open up to uh, Matthew 24? <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> I wanted to uh, construct today uh, a little bit out of kind of like what we were doing when we were studying the book of James together. We had a little bit of a dialogue. And, um, but maybe a little less dialogue because of the sheer numbers of people that are here, but we'll just, we'll just see how the Holy Spirit leads. I mean, I, you know, I thought that it might be a couple other people on line that are newer to the church. And so I didn't want them to get completely spooked if it's not like completely orderly, but, uh, everyone on here is, 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 you know, real close family. So I, I think we can all be gracious if, if this isn't like a, a three-point sermon, right? Um, but, uh, you know, the, what I was thinking is like, you know, the Lord, you know, it's so funny how we do things. And, you know, I, I've, I've talked to some of you guys in length about this stuff, but it really is very, very strange. I mean, if you take a look at the way that Jesus taught, um, every time he teaches, almost every time, um, he's teaching through questions, right? He's teaching through dialogue, right? He isn't lecturing at the people, he isn't just stating facts to the people. He's teaching through stories and he's teaching through questions, right? In education, uh, we call that the Socratic method, right? It is asking a question for people to have a response, which would then create another question, right? And that's how Jesus teaches us, teaches. Uh, but in the West, we, we've adopted a very different method of how we teach, even on Sunday morning. Uh, maybe that's because of the numbers. Maybe that's because of the order. I, I think it has a little bit more with, you know, our historical connection to the Greco-Roman world. I mean, people forget that, but you, the Western civilization has been built off of the back of the Roman and Greco-Roman um, uh, culture. And so that's a fascinating historical conversation, even spiritual conversation, which maybe could be a, a teaching point one day. Uh, how much we do that's built off of that, which is not necessarily wrong. It's just, that's our culture, right? That's our culture. Culture is very strong, very powerful. And so, you know, maybe, maybe we'll, I'm hoping we can get into a little bit of a dialogue today, but we'll see how that goes, right? Um, what verse? Thank you. Uh, so we're going to be Matthew chapter 24. Uh, we're going to begin with, with verse three. And uh, this is known in theological um, circles as the Olivet Discourse, right? Uh, it is Jesus really systematically proclaiming what things will look like at the end of the age before his return to planet Earth, okay? And uh, this isn't necessarily an end times teaching today, um, but I, I, I just thought the Lord was on this to e extrapolate some things from there. Um, so let's, uh, let's, let's begin. <clears throat> uh, we're going to go from verse 3 to verse 14. And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. 
All these are the beginning of sorrows, or the King James says all of this is the beginning of birth pains. I really like that phrase because we're, we're going to teach a little bit out of that. All of these are the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. I'm going to read that again. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, praise the Lord. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. All nations. Not some nations, not a few nations, all nations. And then many will be offended. Many will betray one another. And many will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness, lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Now, if you keep reading chapter 24, it just gets even kind of crazier and more specific. Uh, but starting here, you know, I know we have a lot of, I mean, this church is stacked with people who know their, their Bible. And, and that, that may actually, I'll be honest, that may actually intimidate people. And so if, you know, if you're one of those folks, you know who you are. I obviously want you to speak and, and we kind of need you to break the ice. Uh, but I also want to create room for, for those people who may be a little fresher, a little newer um, to, to be able to, to speak as well. So the first question of dialogue that I, that I want to get into here is when reading these verses, which things stand out to you? Like which things are like, oh, gee, golly whiz. So let's begin there. Which things stand out to you when reading this chapter? This is not a common chapter for churches to preach at. I'm going to be quite honest. Let's go for it. This is just a brainstorm. Question one more time, Dave. Can you repeat it one more yeah, time? Yeah, the, the question is when we read those verses, just out of like a brainstorming kind of function. What, what items, items, themes, events, like words, like just jump out and be like, oh, wow, that's kind of grabbing my attention. For example, the, the thing that, that kind of grabs my attention is that they will. It's not like they might. They will deliver you up to a tribulation and kill you. Uh, Dave, I'll, I'll just just to help break the ice. Yeah. And I don't. I definitely don't want to overdo it here because this is, uh, you know, obviously something we're passionate about. But I think I think the biggest thing, and, and especially within, and you did a, you know, you preached a brilliant message a few weeks ago on, you know, a warning to a, I think it's suburban church, American church. Yeah. Is is the the idea the concept? of discomfort, intensity, or, or, or difficulty that's going to come. It, really, it's the, uh, there's, there's a phrase that we use, uh, the, the great perplexity and conflict, the conflict of the end of the age. And, and Jesus, as a, as a good pastor, is not, you know, giving this like, here's what stands out to me. Jesus isn't like, listen, guys, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. You're, you know, he's just like, it is going to be intense like you don't understand the level of intensity and so for me it's really like the the jesus is a good pastor kind of like throwing some cold water on our face and saying yeah. it's not going to be cupcakes and roses and to counterbalance balance 
what Jose has said, and I know it's it's totally your jam because this is one of our, our our perplexing annoyances with end time teaching, right? Is that a lot of people will either focus on, oh, you're just going to be out of here, right? So you're not going to suffer any of this. Or it's like doom and gloom, ah, it's going to be horrible. But the counterbalance is this, like other scripture verses, particularly in the in book of Revelation is, yes, these things are going on, but at the same time, the scriptures say it's going to be the greatest outpouring of the spirit of God in the believer. Yeah, J Dave, just to throw that, there's a yeah. great verse in Joel. Right. I, think, I think it says it better than any other verse in the Bible. Yeah. He says it's the great and terrible day of the Lord. And sometimes we're out of balance, just focus on the great or just on the terrible. But when we put both together, it's the full picture. Yeah, we have to understand that when, when hard times do come or will come, that there's going to be such a thick anointing and presence of the Lord where, I mean, the, the marvels, the signs, the wonders that are going to happen are unparalleled in human history. I mean, that that's what we're talking about. And that's something to be very excited about. So, yeah, that, that's one that, you know, really uh, sticks out, you know, the notion of discomfort. Uh, anything, uh, other things that, that kind of jump out at you? Joy, is that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Not to be alarmed, um, that we're not supposed to panic, even though um, bad things will happen. We're still not supposed to panic. It's not supposed to be, like, we're not supposed to have great dread, even though these bad things are going to happen. We're still supposed to be, I guess, because we know there's there's more. We're, we're just, not, we're not supposed to sit in it and panic, like, yes, you will die, but don't panic. <laughs> know how else to put it but <laughs> okay okay well i don't know how else to put that no nah, i mean you, you smoke you just you just you said it like it is that's i mean that's the best way to say it you know let's not sugarcoat things um but yeah the panic is just not like like you're gonna die like life ends good but... no this is this is good and look this is where people's minds go first but what i also want to look at is what are some of the nuances that he's saying? Like there's steps, there's things that happen. So they want to pick up outside of like great tribulation because that's what a lot of people focus on. I mean, there's other there's other things and other nuance that's there, which is amazing. Uh, for example, I mean, he says that there's going to be rumors of wars and there's also going to be wars. It's almost like you're not going to know what the true news is. Right? There's going to be a war, but then there won't be a war. There's going to be a rumor of war, but it won't happen. But then there'll be other wars. It's almost like you don't even know what the news is really is, right? That that's something that that comes out to me. Dave, I mean, just to throw. Sorry, I just get. I love. I yeah, love, no, this is I, your topic, so man. This is your jam. I'm like freaking out, but I think the most the first thing he says, which is the number one warning he gives, right? But it's it's take heed that you are not deceived and it's and it's i think the overlying theme and, yeah, and, whether, it's good, man. and whether it's the wars the rumors of wars this is happening here but no it's not this and it's and it's making sure that we're doing our job as believers to not fall into deception and any and any kind of deception good, so following up off of that i think one of the one of the i want to say the but another very prevailing motif here is that verse right after what what jose just said right do not be deceived but be deceived about what? He, he says, many will come. Well, you hear this. Look, this is verse five. 
For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. All right. Now, I, 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 when I was a kid and when I knew in part as a child, I was like, oh, there are going to be a lot of people that come to the earth and say, I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus. I'm as I am. And then like last couple of years, I've just been like wrestling with, wait a minute. Many will say that I am the Christ. Well, what's the Christ? That is the salvation. And I think the, the understanding, the fullness of the understanding is maybe people won't be coming and saying, I am Jesus, <clears throat> but I am your deliverance. Yeah. I am yeah. your salvation. And I, I want to pause here for a moment because I, I think this is extremely, extremely important in 2020. And I think it's extremely important, even going into the election cycle. And I do not want to get into a political conversation about this because that's just, this is not the format for it. <clears throat> but the next question I, I'm asking you guys is what, and I think the Holy Spirit was on this in worship. And that is what do people use as a means of salvation in their, in their life? I, I think already on planet earth, there are enough things and enough people and enough businesses, they're saying, I am going to provide the salvation for you. Some ideas. Maybe some some people that haven't talked yet would be great. That I Dave, that's Jose and Dave. I mean, I've never seen it that way. Like I was just telling Ann, like well, pause, because Jose and I are in the works of creating a podcast one day. One day. Awesome. I don't know when, but yeah. Awesome. <clears throat> I want to hear it because that's that is great revelation. I've never seen it that way. But what struck me is you were reading, um, you know, there can be a mindset in the Christian, especially the American Christian church um, about, you know, come to the kingdom and everything is going to be fine. Every, you know, you're just paved with gold. And so here Jesus is saying, like, guess what? There's going to be hurricanes and earthquakes and famines and you know, it's going to look like, I mean, because I've heard some people talk about how, like, um, you know, we need to establish heaven on earth, right? We're, that the goal of the, the kingdom uh, on earth is to reproduce, you know, as it is in heaven, right? So, like, amen, that's a goal. We're revealing the nature of God. But guess what? You're not going to get there here. It's not, there's going to be earthquakes and famines and, and bad things, and, and you're going to be hated for it. And like, yeah. so kind of ties into what you're saying, but we can get, I think even now, like, you know, here we are, I mean, just this Zoom call, I was getting kind of blessed just talking about like, hey, it doesn't matter what hardship is is coming. What did Jose say? We won't get the fullness of it. When? I, my thing cut off. Uh, but in the, yeah, okay. Uh, <clears throat> I think the kingdom is what we're doing right now is like, oh, we can't meet. Okay. We're going to get together on zoom. It doesn't like you could get offended. Like, oh no, I have to be in church or we have to No, you know, here we are pushing in together. Amen. So, yeah. Amen. You know, this concept of tribulation, difficulty, discomfort, and then the opposite of bringing heaven to earth is, is such a sensitive topic in the church these days. I mean, <clears throat> Jamie and I have, have talked late into the night about how do we create an appropriate balance between the two? Because 
Yes, there is discomfort and things do get nutty. At the same time, though, we have a mandate to spread that kingdom, right? And so there is this kind of like nuance of, of the two. Many will betray one another. There will be a sense of lawlessness and the love will grow cold. Okay. And I don't, I don't necessarily harp on all of that, but, you know, let, let's think about this. You know, forget about even the world. Let, let's not look externally. I think it's important to look internally as well and say, do I get offended easily? Do I personally get offended easily? Hmm. If so, you're falling into this trap. Do I look to fill in the blank as the means of my salvation? Could be a job. Could be ministry. Uh, could be, what else could it be? It could be a political uh, opinion. Uh, it could be what is the outcome of an election? That's going to provide the salvation. Uh, it could be if we just get a vaccine, that's going to be my salvation. Now, let me give a caveat here. Is working to provide for yourself a good thing? Of course it is. Is voting in conscience to what you feel the Lord is calling you to do, to, to be a witness to the earth, is that a good and important thing? Of course it is. Is dealing with medicine and pharmaceuticals, is that uh, potentially a good thing? Of course it can be, right? And so it's it's not like a, a black or a white. It's, it's essentially, it is in very much ways a gray and I think we, we don't always like to think in the place of the gray, that there can be balances, but we can't be putting our hope and our complete hope into these things because then we're falling to the trap of I'm looking to these things to be my salvation, if that makes sense, right? That there's makes total be, sense, man. Yeah, there's got to there's be a balance, right? There's a balance of voting and according to your conscience. There's a balance of working and taking care of your family. There's a balance of going to the doctors, of course. But there can be a tendency, and it in fact prophesizes that in the end of the age, people's hearts and minds will begin to begin to look too much into the earthly means of salvation. And I don't mean I don't think Jesus is necessarily talking about your spiritual salvation. I, I think he's also talking about like my physical safety, my physical means. He's like, hello, this is the way it's going to be at the end of the age. Okay. And then of course, many false prophets will, will come forward. All right. Um, and that's a whole other, a whole other gamut, which I would love to talk about, but backtracking, cause it's not necessarily the road I was even going to go down is this phrase in verse eight. He says here, and these are the beginning of the sorrows. Or like I said, I really like the, the King James. It says, and these are the beginning of the birth pains. Okay. That's how the King James translates it you know dana and jose just walked through that many of us on here have seen people go through this our loved ones and i'm like lord what why would you use this type of imagery like why would you use the imagery of birth pains so yeah but anyone like to to share like what, what, what why do you think the lord would be like yeah i'm going to use of all things to explain uh, th this concept of birth pains. 
Because out of out of a birthing pain comes a birth. There, there's a joy that comes after after the pain it goes through its course. Come on, let, let's think about that. Let, let, let's position our spirits and our hearts in that. The joy of the suffering is knowing that Jesus will be made manifest. Right? Walking through difficulty, walking through tribulation. How on earth can we sustain that? Whether it's at the end of the age or right now, whatever you're walking through. It's supposed to be that this suffering and tribulation, I can endure the pain. I can endure the pain of the childbirth of the contractions of the pains because at the end of that suffering there comes a joy right i think there's actually even a scripture verse that talks about that right why else i think there's i think there's more than, than just that actually well honestly we were talking about it while dana was in labor uh it it, it makes sense i think i think a huge thing specifically especially where jesus puts that phrase and Dave, you guys have three kids, you've experienced this, is you start feeling those contractions and those things, and it's not it yet. You think it's it, but then you get the Braxton Hicks, which are the, like, they're like the mimicking contractions. You think it's the, it's like, and, and, and like, I mean, it makes so much sense now going through it, where like every generation, like, this is it. This has to be it. Like, you know, Hitler in Nazi Germany, this must be the Antichrist. Oh, it's just Braxton Hicks or, you yeah. know, 9-11. This is not just Braxton Hicks. And it's and it's this weird, like you think it's it, but it's not it. But it, it it's it, it's a mirror of it. And then one day, in the middle of the night, it's it, and it's like go time. Oh, yeah, amen. That's a great. Braxton Hicks is a, a great way to, to tell that. So Braxton Hicks, for those of you that don't know, what we're talking about is you know it's like these false contractions that take place, maybe even a couple days or a week before the actual giving of the birth. Right? It's like the body is kind of like almost getting ready. So what? What I, I kind of feel the Lord was saying here is this, that, that human history and spiritual history is a type of contraction. As a woman's body contracts, the body is getting ready. The body is getting ready for the birth. Okay? And with that, when you walk through that birthing process, there are different stages. There's different stages of contraction. There's different stages of intensity. And I, if I look as a, as a history teacher, and, I, and as I look as a teacher of the word, I see both in the biblical view and in the earthly worldview that the earth passes through these contraction periods. Okay. And so I want to share a couple of them with you. All right. So I'm going to do a share screen here. All right. So. I'll do this kind of somewhat quickly, so it's 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 not like super annoying. But can you guys all see that? All right. So I feel that what the Lord is, is saying to me, and I think saying to us as a church, is that there are different ages that we pass through in human history, and each age is like a type of contraction that leads to the next age that will finally get us to the fulfillment of the coming of Jesus. All right. So we take a look. I, I'm calling it the post Eden age, right? We leave the Garden of Eden, and we have the spreading of humanity out to, to the world, uh, and that's an age. And there's a certain theology, even, that is ruling that age, right? All right, the next one. 
we get to that, boom, now another contraction, if you will, is the age of Abraham and the age of the Abrahamic covenant. And he's working out his contraction and his spiritual energies, if you will, through the life and story of Abraham and his direct descendants. Another word that, boom, brings us to another age, the age of the Mosaic law. And now there's a new age in which we're operating in, and it's like a new period that that is happening, right? Uh, we, we then see, I mean, we even see like some kind of elements of theological change, which is Jose could like teach, you know, four hours on all of that. Underneath the Davidic kingdom, there are actually things that change how the Lord is revealing himself and how man is to reveal himself. In fact, even King David is going to break Mosaic law. And it's okay before the Lord because his heart is right. From there, we get into the period of the period of the empire, right? The various empires that are ruling uh, earth. Uh, we see the, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, and the Egyptians are all emerging onto the scene. And then you're going to see the birth of the major prophets. And the Lord begins to really articulate his voice through the prophets. And then boom, we get into this place of what we're calling the age of silence. Where between the older covenant and new covenant, there isn't a prophetic voice that is written about. From there, we get into the times of Jesus, and then the time of the apostles, and then boom, uh, there then becomes yet another age. I mean, I'm calling it the age of Catholicism, but you know, at, at around the sixth century, you're going to see like the Catholic Church is going to be the one that's towing the line um, for for Christianity. For, for better or for worse, that, that is what they're doing. And then, boom, we enter into this other age, this age of Protestant mainline Christianity. And then eventually what happens here is there's a, a Protestant decentralization uh, that takes place. We have the birth of like thousands and thousands of different non-denominational churches and, and Baptists and Methodists and all these different types of peoples that come forth. And so my, my question here is, I think what the Lord is saying with this is he brings us through these kind of periods. And, and my question here is, what is the next age in which we're stepping into? And are we stepping into a new age of contraction? That's a big question, and, and maybe it's like completely new. Um, and maybe I did that a little too quickly, but you have to like forgive me. For it, for it being on Zoom, uh, but uh, Jose gives an example of the end of the age. I, I would, I wonder if it's not, I've heard some other pretty cool teaching about um, the idea of a rude awakening before the great awakening. So I kind of think we're in, maybe it's not the age, but it's a rude awakening before God's pouring out again. Okay, cool. Uh, let, me, uh, let me go to the slides again. And I apologize if this is like disjointed, but um, if we take a look at that, even if you take a look at the earth and human history, there are ages. There are chapters to human history, right? right? We have an age when mankind is, is really broken down into tribes, hunting and gathering, going around. We make this jump where we begin to use kings and queens and then we make another jump where we start to learn about the ideas of democracy then we make a jump of stepping into an age of colonization where nations are going out and taking over and lording over other nations 
Then we make this jump into a place of industrialization where we start using machinery and factory work. Then we make a jump into a technological revolution of the use of computers. And now we're, we're in an age where economists and historians are calling the age of globalization. And it's an age whereby we are interacting with people via the internet, economically, sociologically, even church-wise and spiritually from all around the world. And so what, what, I, what I'm trying to convey here, and I'm sorry, like I said, if it's, if it's a little lost, is this, that human history and spiritual history is in itself a form of function of birth pains. There are evolutionary kind of jumps that occur where human history and the Bible is getting ready, is getting ready. There's a contraction, there's a contraction, there's a contraction. Example, you, you, you can't have, you know, the, the, the beast of desolation in Daniel 9 when there are people that are still running around like, you know, tribes, right? The, the humanity is built up to a place. You know, you can't have a mark of the beast when, when there's no interaction between peoples because there is no internet yet and there's no telephones yet and there are no computers yet. It's like each stage of human history is getting ready, is getting ready, is getting ready for the Lord to return. And so what I thought the Lord was saying is this, I believe that the earth, I believe that human history, I believe that the church at large, I believe that Bristol Hope Assembly, and I believe that you and I are in the midst of a new contraction, a new changing of the age. Amen. Definitely. Okay. Now, this is not, this is not a, an easy thing. I'm going to be honest with you. If you were alive in the 1950s, the 60s and the 70s, and then you died in the year 1970 or 1975, you didn't experience a contraction. I, I, I want you to get this. Like you can, as a generation of people, be alive in the midst of one single age where you don't see the change, where you don't see the contraction take place. I fervently believe that we that are obviously on this call and we that are alive today, we have the benefit, but also in a part, the difficulty of navigating the departure from one contraction into another. And I believe that what's happening here is this is, I want you to hear this. I think that this is the earthly angst that is on earth right now. And I believe that this is the spiritual angst that is in the church right now. We are as, 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 as an earth and as a country and as a people on planet earth and as a spiritual people, we're in the midst of this transition that's happening. And I fervently believe this is why people's feathers are, wrestle, are ruffled in the physical. I think that's why we're having all of this kind of political turmoil. I think it's why we're having all this sociological turmoil. I would go so far as to say, I think this is why we're having even this coronavirus turmoil. Is because there is a transition. We're right in the midst ah, of another contraction. And there are people who have gone 60 years of their life. 
70 years of her life or 40 or 50 years of her life and never really experienced that type of transition that's taking place. I don't know if there's any comments, thoughts of, of greater explanation, questions, or even agreement. Dave, what you're saying is brilliant. It just it gets so jazzed up. And I think that's where the deception comes in. You, you don't experience any contraction. You don't see anything. And then so that's. Everything's okay. And as much as we don't like the contractions, the contractions is actually the grace of God. Right. Uh, uh, not getting you ready, getting you ready, getting us ready. Exactly. It's actually not, it's, it's God saying don't settle because something else is coming. So what you're saying here, Jose, is that the, the difficulty, the tribulation of transition is actually the grace of the Lord to prepare the body to receive. Exactly. The and not even just to receive, but to reproduce. Exactly. It's amazing. Because the contraction is the thing that prepares the body to give new life. And, and, and as difficult, we actually want the contractions. We want this stuff to come because it's only preparing the earth for the, really, for like the, the womb of heaven to be. says, behold, the thing, now it shall spring forth. Oh, isn't that a beautiful verse? Isn't that a beautiful verse? I'm going to do a new thing. It's going to spring forth. It's a beautiful verse. But I want to tell you this. If you're in the midst of the new thing, and if you're in the midst of the transition from the old thing into the new thing, it doesn't always look so beautiful. It doesn't. That's right. It doesn't, man. If you're sitting next to your wife, Watching her give birth and passing the baby through the, the through the baby through the through the, 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 the canal. It's beautiful, but it's also uh, you know physically kind of messy. But it's 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 a tumultuous process. And you get the baby and you take the baby out into the lobby, and everyone sees the beautiful baby, but they didn't see the process to bring it forth. The verse was Isaiah 43, 19. And look, the baby could be the coming of Jesus. We can hyper-spiritualize it and make it that. And that's cool. But I want to also talk, we as a church, you as an individual, we as a nation, we're in this process of transition and it can create a lot of angst. It can create a lot of worry. It can create a lot of anxiety. But once the thing that the Lord wants to birth in you has been born and you look at it, you forget about all the angst. But I want to encourage you with this. I believe that there are people who are going to miss out on the new thing. I'm not even talking about the coming of Jesus right now. I'm talking about you as an individual. I'm talking about we as a church body. I believe that we can, in fact, miss. We can miss what the Lord wants to birth in us because we're too enthroned with the angst. We're too enthroned with the worry. We, 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 we get so tunnel visioned that we only see the change and the pain and the suffering and the difficulty and things aren't the way, the things that always were in the past. 
and you miss out on the changing of the age. And I'm telling you, I think this is the political conflict that's going on. I think this is the sociological conflict. I think this is why there's so many people that are in a, a feeling of angst. And in the spirit, it's the same thing. It's because there is a transition that is happening. And the question, here is, the question here is, which person will you be? Where will our church be at Bristol Hope Assembly? Where will the greater church, the big C church at large be when all this is happening? Will you be ready to receive the birthing of the change that's taking place? The other Lord is just saying the earth is in the midst of a transition, but the heaven still remains. Right? The earth and all things physical and spiritual is in the midst of a great transition of a changing of an age. The earth is changing, but heaven is steadfast. Heaven remains. Heaven is there waiting, waiting, waiting. Just to encourage you with this, when all these crazy changes are taking place in your life and you don't know what to do, the reality is this. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday and today and forever. He is the same. And we like to say that. And we like to do all of that. But he was created to give praises to his father. He was created to bring a redemption of mankind. And he was created to come back to the earth and receive his bride. And so whether it's end times, whether it's revival, whether it's a change in your life, a change at the church. What I believe here is what, what the kind of finishing up this today is this, that, 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 that we need to be ready to reposition ourselves. We as a church need to position ourselves. We can't be afraid of all these changes and try to just beat it back to the way it was 10 years ago. In your life, there are changes that are coming and they're here. You can't just be like, I'm just going to go back to the way that the world, what my life used to be like. You can't do that because we are now in the midst of entering into a new age in the spirit. And so what I feel like the Lord is saying, uh, what he was giving to me when I was, when I was meditating on this <clears throat> is that the Lord is saying unto me as an individual, the Lord is saying unto me as a father, the Lord is saying unto me as a pastor it is time to pivot. You have to pivot. What does it mean to pivot? Uh, the the best, best way I can understand it and explain it is you pivot in basketball. You don't pivot in baseball. You don't pivot in football. You pivot in basketball. Anyone know what we're talking about when pivoting? No, anyone play basketball when yeah. they were a kid? It's sort of like when you're standing in place, but you move one foot. Yes, yes, yes. It's when, you, it's when you dribble, you stop dribbling. You're not allowed to take another step because it's a foul. You plant one foot strongly, firmly, steadfast. Your other foot is allowed. Not just allowed. It's encouraged to open up the other foot. While keeping the other foot firmly steadfast. You pivot, you position so that you can open up your point of connection and you can receive a ball or you can pass a ball. You can also gain a stronger position of defense. Because yes. like, you're, able, you're able to position the ball away from your opponents. In the physical and in the spiritual. 
a pivot is you remain steadfast on certain things. The word of the Lord, Jesus is Lord. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But it's also positioning yourself to receive what the Lord is doing in a new age. And I'm telling you right now, there are going to be people in the big C church that are going to miss the passing of the ball and the receiving of the ball in the spirit, if you will, because they refuse to pivot. They refuse. They refuse to transition. They refuse to change. And they're going to miss out on the Lord because they're still living in an older age of things. And I, I just want to, I want to be careful. We as a church, that we don't have blinders on and we don't see these changes that are coming to the world. We don't see the changes that are coming as we enter into a new age in human history. And we don't see the changes that are happening when the Lord is speaking to you and saying, I am trying to have you enter into a new age of your life. Holding on to the things that worked in the past will not work in the now, people. Some things remain, but you need to be flexible enough to pivot to receive. And I'm concerned that maybe our more traditional people will not be able to pivot. And they'll miss. I'm concerned that people who are so traditional in their look, I don't mean political, what I mean conservative, I mean like, this is the way things have always been in my life, and this is the way things have always been in my spiritual life. And I'm only going to do what worked for me in the past. I'm telling you, the things that worked in the past for your spiritual walk will not work the same way because the Lord is bringing the church, the Lord is bringing the earth into a new age. Amen. Hey, Dave, can I throw something in there? Yeah. I know I've been chatty Cathy. I've also been home for like a month and not talked to a lot of people, so I'm pretty excited. Um, I'm, I'm really stirred about what you're saying in this whole uh, concept of, of pivoting. And I'm not going to get into who I'm voting for or not or whatever. I have a particular candidate that I'd love to see win just because of my personal preference. But I've been provoked, especially, you know, by our friends in that particular country in the Middle East. And, and I just felt this provocation of the Lord. And it was what if the other guy who doesn't matter who, what if he, what if him winning is actually better for the gospel? You know, I'm just thinking of this whole concept of pivoting or we hold on to our concepts of safety but, you know, I don't know, and I don't even know if this makes sense, but it just stirred up this, this thing that I've been provoked with is the things that we hold on to. What if the things that we're so like, this is this is what we need for our country. What if those are the things that are actually hindering revival coming? And the thing that, that, that would maybe take away our, our sense of comfort is the thing that's best for the gospel. Yeah, I mean, and if you want to like, you know, even if I want to step, take a, take, take a couple steps back and say, even in your own life, you know? There's change coming. There's difficulty coming. Who the heck likes difficulty? Who the heck likes changes? I mean, you gotta be a pretty weird person to like changes and like difficulty. <laughs> Alan does. Well, it, but, you know, I'm gonna be honest. You know, it, it's it's really because Alan and I and Brandon we've been training jujitsu and, and 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 it's teaching us a lot of spiritual truth. That you know, the military has this phrase, and forgive me because you know it's not the nicest of word. Uh, but the, the phrase that they have in the military, in the, Mar in the Marine Corps, is embrace the suck. 
Don't, don't push the suck away. Don't push the difficult thing away. Embrace it because it's that difficulty that's going to change you, right? I mean, I, I got this one guy that I, that, that I read. His name is David Goggins. He's like, I hate running. That's why I run. It's like, what? He's like, I hate running. I absolutely hate running. That's why I run. Like, why? He's like, because I'm training my mind. Right? I, I, I'm getting resiliency. I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting a difficult, I'm training my mind to be able to, uh, to receive difficult situations. Uh, we got Sam here. Un unpleasant changes can build one's character. Amen. Amen. It's yeah, right on. But, you know, how many of us, have, you know, how many of us in the Western church, we lose that, right? That's not even a part of my paradigm. Like, why would I want to have difficult times? Uh, because you can glory in trial and tribulation, knowing that the testing of your faith shall produce patience, and that when patience has its complete and perfect work, you shall be perfect, lacking nothing, James 1. That's why? That's why. That's why. And so what, what I'm trying to just get here at is this. Just scaling, scaling this all back is, is this. I believe that the Lord is bringing us into a new stage as a church, a new stage as a bride, because there is a change that is happening in the spirit and on earth. And those changes are contractions. Getting the bride, getting the earth ready to receive the Lord. Okay? And I don't want you and I don't want myself and I don't want my family to miss out on it because we're still holding on to all of the things that worked in our lives for the last 30, 40 years. And it's grown comfortable. It's grown easy. It's grown probably the most powerful, understandable. We understand it. We have it figured out. And I feel like the Lord is just saying, <laughs> yeah, there's a contraction. It's coming. And it's taking us to the next place. And there are going to be people who refuse to walk through it because they want their old way of doing things. And they're going to miss it in the spirit. This is something that has, that is clearly in scripture. The disciples, they were fishermen and that's what they did. And the Lord said, you're not going to be fishermen anymore. You're now going to go fish souls their physical jobs, their life, their sustenance just changed. The disciples, when Jesus was on earth, they believed that he was going to come to restore an earthly kingdom. That whole theology changed at his crucifixion. I'm not coming to bring an earthly kingdom. I'm bringing a spiritual kingdom. And in that contractual age, the disciples' theology had to change. Who they reached out to. Who they reached out to. They were reaching out to Jews. God said, well, that's good, and you should, and you need to. But you're also going to reach out to completely different people and a completely different demographic. And so, uh, Jamie, why don't you uh, get started? I'm just going to close out with Matthew chapter 16. Jesus. Say what, um, 
Jamie, can you just lower your overall volumes real quick if, it's that, if that's physically possible? Is that better? Yeah. I know, I know this is Zoom, I know this is crazy, but I extremely, extremely feel the Lord is on this. And I know it's a little complicated, you know, ages of mankind and things like that, but I, I really don't want us to miss this. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. All right, hold on, Jamie. We began this with Jesus saying that many will come. Many will come and say that I am the Christ. Many will come and many things will come that will say, I will be the thing that provides the salvation for you. I will, or this thing will be the thing that will be your deliverance. It will be the thing that will set things right. But how, how do we pass through the contraction? How do we pass through these different ages of human existence and spiritual existence? It's like, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. He tells us in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. We've preached it. We've preached it a hundred times. But in the church today, it probably should be taught every single Sunday. Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever who desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. We need to continually desire to come after him. We need to continually deny ourselves. We need to, de to deny what we think is the thing that's going to provide my personal salvation in our moment. We need to go to him. Because there's nothing but the blood. And so I just feel the Lord is just saying that he wants to warn us. He wants to warn us right now. And say, what are we going to? What are we going to for our means of salvation? 
because we can miss out. We can miss out on the new age. So we're going to have Jamie close us out with worship. We'll have our Zoom meeting this Wednesday and we'll be back to church this upcoming Sunday. So Jamie, yeah, can you lead us out, please? I hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. When darkness seems to hide His face, I rest on His unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my Jamie, kill it. Lord of all. He is Lord of all. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong. Jesus, be our cornerstone. It's only you. It's only you. You are salvation. You are salvation. Lord of all.
Father, I just, I just pray right now, Lord, that even if there was an element of some people being confused or even if there was an element of disagreement, Lord, we just come to you and we say that we as a church, we as a nation, we want to make you Lord of all things. Father, I pray for the people in our nation and the people in our church that are in the midst of transitions. They're in the midst of difficulty. Father, I pray that we would be a people who will hear from you, that would set ourselves up and position ourselves to receive what you have for us going into a new a new age or a new part in our life. Father, I pray that you reveal to us those things in our life that we've used as a means of salvation, a means of comfort that was not given by you. So that you can be the only means of our salvation. In Christ Jesus, amen. 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 Have a wonderful week. Hope to see you guys online Wednesday as we pray. And then, of course, on Sunday. And we're hoping to reschedule the barbecue at some point. We'll see if we can do that uh, when the weather is still warm enough. <laughs> um, so we'll have to see. Thanks. Put a sweater on. Come on. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thank you, Jamie. Awesome job, man. Thank you, James. Yeah, Thanks, so Jamie. So